Pope Francis, the leader of the Catholic Church, is a heretic. Uh, those paper straws we've been forced to use to save the environment, well, it turns out that they are actually bad for the environment. And Joe Biden wants to outlaw beer. Okay, everyone calm down. He doesn't want to outlaw beer. This story is just an example of where the right shouldn't go when it comes to reacting to news stories. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. I hope you guys had a great day yesterday. This is the last episode. I know that I was out yesterday. There was a reason I was out. I actually decided I'm probably going to do a lot more podcasts on Fridays simply because Fridays always have stories that we should talk about. And it's always a surprise. There's always a surprise on Fridays. And the other thing is that... uh, yeah, Thursdays are a very busy day for me. <laughs> I've got gym appointments. Josie has a gym appointment. I have a guitar lesson. I do a lot of writing on Thursday. So it's actually kind of a day that I should be spending doing other things. So we might move it to Fridays. Uh, and by the way, good news is I did take off Friday because the reality is the job numbers came out today which i should know they come out every they come out on the first friday of the month of the new month i'm just a little surprised they came out cuz it's september 1st and shows you they already know so 187,000 jobs were added now i know the biden administration is going to scream that oh well that's that's created no jobs weren't created i'm not going to use that type of language that these guys always use. So 187,000 jobs were added, and that's up from the estimate of 170,000. That's what they thought they were going to get. Uh, wages grew to up to 4. Point, wages grew to 4.3%. That's also good, and it's above inflation, which is at 3.2%. That's good. Now By the way, that's all the good news out of this jobs report. The jobs report actually turns out it wasn't that great. Now, you may have seen me kind of uh, uh, 4.3% job growth to 3.2% inflation. Yeah, it wasn't. That isn't all that great. One of the things that is affecting inflation is not affecting the inflation numbers is important categories like energy gas gasoline for example gasoline is up again the average cost for gas throughout the country is 382 so that's up from last month uh in the coast west coast gas prices are over five dollars a gallon and they are expected to go up looking at the fact that the that the biden administration is cutting gas leases again uh, tells me that it's probably going to go up and he's not going to be able to grab oil from the strategic reserve because we're just too low right now. So that's not great. So we need to take that inflation rate again with a grain of salt. The other thing that we need to look at is the the actual unemployment rate. There were 225,000 actually added to looking for jobs. In other words, 225,000 people have decided, you know what, I've run out of money in the bank and now I'm going to look for a job. These people were not counted in any of the previous unemployment reports because they were taken out of the system simply because they hadn't been looking for a job. Some of these people haven't looked for a job for three years since the pandemic started. Now they're running out of money in their savings account. They're beginning to not be able to afford anything. And now they've decided it's time to go get a job. So you got to add 225,000 unemployed on top of that, uh, which is why the unemployment rate actually went up this time. And it went up a lot. It went from 3.5% to 3.8%. Uh, 3.8%. So that's a heck of a jump. And we can expect to see this go up in the next few months. And we've been talking about this. Biden had a very good job numbers for the last six months, seven, last two years. Well, I mean, 
people were unemployed because of the pandemic and then a bunch of people had so much money that the government had given them that they decided to stay out of the job market. Now those people have run out of money. They're joining the job market and all of the interest rates and things that have gone up because of inflation are now beginning to affect business and businesses are slowing their hiring. What makes this jobs report worse is they, at, they went in and they modified the jobs report from July and June. So they lost another 110,000 jobs from July and June. So that is really bad. I don't expect Joe Biden to actually jump out there and talk about how great the jobs report is today. Because people are just going to point to him and say, uh, no, the jobs report actually was not great. Okay, so here comes. I think I think the economy is going to turn. It's going to turn hard. Uh, I don't care what the stock market says. Everything has been sitting on a on a everything's been sitting on a house of cards here, and I think the cards are beginning to fall. A wind is coming. We'll have to see. We're going to have to see. We'll see as the holiday season comes up, where the jobs are going to go. Now, let's take a look at the dumbasses of the day. You know, one of the things that just annoys the garbage out of me is Democrats constantly blaming all of their problems, all of their mistakes, all of their incompetence, on the sun monster. They do this all the time. And they're doing it again with their incompetence with Maui. They're doing it again in Florida with uh, Hurricane Idalia. It's really, really annoying. And here is Joe Biden again talking about climate change. And basically what he's talking about here, he's talking about well, give me more money is essentially what he's saying. And he does say it. He said it day before yesterday. He said, oh, climate crisis is getting real bad. We need more money. That's what it comes down to because spending money is going to suddenly fix the weather. So let's listen to Joe Biden. And I cut this clip in half because I just didn't want to hear him. He started talking at the end about how he's trying to help Maui and how great a job they're doing with Maui when, in fact, the residents of Maui are sitting there and saying, yeah, no, this is garbage. Let's listen to Joe. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. Just look around. Historic floods. I mean, historic floods. More intense droughts. Extreme heat. Significant wildfires have caused significant damage like we've never seen before, not only throughout the Hawaiian Islands in the United States, but in Canada and other parts of the world. We've never seen this much fire. And while we're dealing with this latest extreme weather event, I remain laser focused on recovering and rebuilding efforts in Maui. Okay, again, here's the big thing. I say this all the time. The weather is not abnormal. High winds and dry weather in Maui, drought, these are not things that are uncommon in Maui especially that area, the western side of Maui. I'm sorry, it's just not uncommon. FEMA was in Hawaii, was in Oahu at a five-star hotel to discuss forest fires in Maui when the forest fires happened. Hurricanes from August to November in the Florida panhandle, not uncommon. They happen every year, every year. As a matter of fact, this garbage he keeps saying, they're more they're constant. They're more constant. No, they're not. They, 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 I'm sorry, they're just not. They, every meteorologist will sit there and say, yeah, this is about the time they get hurricanes. And then Hurricane Adelia, which was supposed to be this terrible hurricane, ended up, it caused a lot of damage because of where it went through. But Hurricane Adelia was a Category 1 when it hit. The storm surges made an absolute mess. The winds made an absolute mess. But halfway through Florida, it was downgraded to a tropical storm. So I'm not saying it's not a, it's a good thing. It's just the, the hurricane wasn't 
as strong as it usually is. So all this stuff that he talks about is just not true. And the damage in Florida, hey, they're doing real well fixing all that stuff, which good on good on Ron DeSantis. Again, Ron DeSantis is not going to get any credit for this. By the way, he he's he'll get no credit for this, but he should be proud. He did a great he's doing a great job as usual. And this is why I want the guy as governor, as the president. Okay, let's get to the first story. Um, this guy. So I'm a Catholic. I've always been a Catholic. And as I've gotten older, instead of becoming a weaker Catholic, I've actually become a stronger Catholic. Well, one of the things Catholics believe is that the Pope actually runs the religion. So Pope Francis happens to be uh, the head of our religion. He runs it from the Vatican, which is its own state. Now, one of the things that we're supposed to believe is that the Pope is considered infallible when it comes to church doctrine. Now, what does that mean? That's, a, that's really important to understand. The Pope is not infallible. He is only infallible when it comes to determining what the Bible says. He's infallible when it comes to changing prayers, things like that. He's not infallible on everything, including things like the like politics. The church, now, mind you, the church has always been liberal when it comes to politics and economics. The church likes the centralized of uh, uh, the concepts, the concepts, mind you, of centralized power and equity. They've always liked this stuff. The church has always been something that has been, has tried to maintain power. They did this all the way from the from uh, the birth of Christ on, uh, the death of Christ on. They like socialism and communism and globalism, Marxism. They, they love this stuff, but as concepts. We know that communism, socialism, and globalism, when enacted, fail miserably. And of course, they always fail because it is people you're trying to control and it is people in control. So you've got a problem right off the bat. One of the reasons you can't have a utopia, which is why the church likes socialism, communism, Marxism, and globalism. One of the reasons you can't have a utopia is because it requires people to be perfect. And that's you can't have a perfect society without perfect people. And that's the reason none of this stuff works out. Now, in practice... They condemn communism. They condemn socialism because it ends up that instead of everyone being equal, which is the equity that the church wants, they end up, everyone ends up being poor except a, cer a certain group of people. The other thing the church is not thrilled about is things like um, things like taxes. They're not huge fans of taxes, and, and they've debated this. Because they're, they're, they, the big debate is, is that in pushing of equity or is that actually stealing money who, from people who work hard to get it? So they, the church has some real problems when it comes to economics and politics, which is why I say just stay out of it. They, they obviously don't know what they're talking about. Um, even good popes have always leaned liberal when it comes to socialism, globalism, communism, and Marxism. But they've always kind of just stayed arm's length. They've always said things, but they never really did anything because of the problems with those concepts. Now, the one thing the church has always con been conservative on has been social policies and practices. They believe in the sanctity of the family. They're against abortion. They're against gay marriage. They're against the trans cultists. They push religion. They push the belief in God. They push the spreading of God's message. They believe in freedom. They believe in individuality. They believe in free will. And then there's Pope Francis. And Pope Francis has just proven that he is fallible. So the Los Angeles Times released a piece, and I'm going to read, I think, 90% of the piece, simply because it is so twisted. Now, let's, one thing about Pope Francis, let's be very clear, he's a miserable pope. He is an absolutely terrible pope. 
uh, he should be he should be thrown. The second he leaves office, I will be having a pot. I will be having a party. When I heard that he was ill, that he was hospitalized, I was I was actually praying not for his death, but I was praying the guy would just retire. That's how bad he is. So let's let's. He's a communist. He's an environmentalist. He is a globalist. He goes against the church. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say it right now, even though I'm going to say it also at the end. He's a heretic. If this man did the things in the 13th century that he's doing right now, if he said the things in the 13th century that he's saying now, he would be burned at the stake. That's how bad some of the shit he's saying is. And I can't stand the guy. I really can't stand the guy. He's a heretic. He needs to be overthrown. He needs to be pulled out of office. And I'm hoping it's soon. He's 86 years old. It can't be that much longer. Okay, so according to LA Times, Pope Francis has blasted the, quote, backwardness, end quote, of some conservatives in the U.S. Catholic Church, saying that they have replaced faith with ideology and that the correct understanding of Roman Catholic doctrine allows for change over time. Okay, right off the bat, that's a mistake. In other words, the teachings that the church have had for the last 2,500 years, all of that is changeable. All of that will change. It's fluid. It doesn't stay the same. That is complete and utter bullshit. It has been the same for thousands of years. Some popes have misread it. Some popes have read into something that may or may not have been there. But for the most part, the the philosophy of the church has remained very steady for 2,500 years. Constantinople, there was a uh, uh, Vatican Council in 1970s. That's how few times doctrine has been changed. It just doesn't happen. Francis, continuing, Francis' comments were an acknowledgement of the of the divisions in the U.S. Catholic Church, which has been split between progressives and conservatives, who for decades found support in the doctrine, uh, doctrinaire papacies of St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI, particularly on issues of abortion and same-sex marriage. Now, here's the thing. What are conservatives? Conservatives are pro-family, anti-abortion, anti-drugging and mutilation of kids, pro-family, anti-gay marriage. That's essentially where we stand. We don't believe in, in, in childbirth out of wedlock. Things of that nature. Okay? He's basically standing out against this. And I wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked at all if this guy said that gay marriage is okay soon. I would not be shocked if that's coming. As a matter of fact, this could be in preparation, his statements could be in preparation of that. Continuing, many conservatives have blasted France's emphasis on social justice issues, such as the environment and the poor, while also branding a heretical, uh, as heretical his opening to letting divorced and civilly remarried Catholics receive the sacraments. I don't receive the sacraments, and the reason is I'm remarried. I've been dating my wife for 10 years. We can't receive the sacraments. And we're never going to be able to take communion again. It's just not going to happen. Because that is the doctrine. What this guy is doing is trying to change that doctrine. And I'm sorry. I, just because the doctrine, the what this Pope believes, is more convenient for me, that doesn't mean what I'm doing is technically right under the church. I also want to point out the language of the article. Um, social justice issues such as the environment and the poor, uh, such as the environment means he wants to overturn capitalism. Mind you, he never bitches and moans about China. He only complains about the United States. That's a typical globalist perspective, by the way. China, which outlaws religion. China, which has gulags and is a slave state. China, which produces the most pollution in the world. He doesn't say a word about them, but he's got to attack the United States. So this is all about this is all about capitalism. And his comment about the poor is equity. We need to take from the rich and give to the poor. Of course, it never works out this way. Now, here's the thing. 
the church already has a doctrine on this, and it's called charity. You should actually take a portion of your wealth and give it to charity, including the church. I think it's 10%. 10 to 20% of what should go for wealth should go to the church or go to charity. I would rather give it, I give mine to charity. I'm not giving it to the church. The church doesn't know how to spend my money like any other government. Unless I forget, the church is a government. But but the reality is, that's where we're, taxes, they got a problem with that. Church doesn't believe government should be taking money from people. They believe you should be giving it. Francis made the comments in a private meeting in, with Portuguese members of the Jesuit religious order while visiting Lisbon on August 5th. The Jesuit journal La Civilata Catolia, which is the, I don't know, which is vetted by the Vatican Secretariat of State, published a transcript of the encounter Monday. During the meeting, a Portuguese Jesuit told Francis, 86, that he had suffered during recent sabbatical year in the U.S. because he came across many Catholics, including some bishops, U.S. bishops, who criticized Francis' tenure papacy as well as today's Jesuits. Um, yeah, they have been criticizing him. This is a pope, by the way. This is a pope, by the way, who excommunicated a, a monsignor, a priest, because he is outspoken about being anti-abortion. He excommunicated a priest for being anti-abortion and saying it too much. This is what he calls ideology over faith. So how long is it going to be before this pope says abortion is not a sin? How long is it going to be? Before, and not long, because he's 86. He won't be in the papacy much longer. But how long is it? How long is it going to be before he sits back and says gay marriage is okay? I don't think it's going to be long, if he survives. And by the way, in all his years, he's been a pope now for I want to say five, ten, five years now, five, six, seven years. Okay, this pope has only mentioned abortion, being anti-abortion, only once. As a matter of fact, he got shit because he wasn't saying when when Spain decided to legalize abortion, when Ireland decided to legalize abortion, he got crap from the church, from his own bishops in the Vatican, who said, you've got to say something about this because abortion is a mortal sin. He wouldn't do it. And finally, he did it once. Okay, continuing. Francis, who hails from Argentina, acknowledged his point saying there was, quote, a very strong organized reactionary attitude, end quote, in the U.S. church, which he called backward. He warned that such an attitude leads to, climate, uh, to a climate of closure, which is erroneous. Quote, doing this, you lose true tradition and you turn, into you turn to ideologies to have support. In other words, ideology replaces faith. No, this is completely the opposite. It is faith that basically says the Christian ideology that has been around for thousands of years is, is real, works. It's this priest that says that that ideology, the Christian ideology, can change and should change in certain cases. And he has changed them in certain cases. And people are saying, no, the, the Christian faith was right. The Christian ideology is right. And by the way, I hate the wording here. The faith versus ideology. Faith and ideology are, are really different. Ideology is a belief system. Faith is that that system works even though I have no proof of it. So to say I'm replacing ideology with faith, no. The Catholic Church has an ideology. And you have to have faith that that ideology works. Christians, conservative Christians, believe in the ideology of the Catholic Church. It's the Pope that doesn't believe in the ideology of the Catholic Church. So he's questioning the faith of conservative Christians who believe in the ideology. In other words, he doesn't have faith in the ideology. You love when, when leftists always point and say, you're doing exactly what they're doing. I have faith in the ideology that's been around for 2,000 years. 
it's the Pope that doesn't have faith in that ideology. Why he's leading the church, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay, continuing. Quote, the vision of the doctrine of the church is a monolith, as a monolith is wrong, he added. When you go backward, you make something closed off, disconnected from the roots of the church, which then has devastating effects on morality. I want to remind these people that backwardness is useless, and they must understand that there's a correct evolution in the understanding of questions of faith and morals that allows for doctrine to progress and consolidate over time, Francis said. Okay, so basically, the doctrine that's been around for 2,000 years and really hasn't changed needs to change. And it needs to change because the environment surrounding today is changing. This is the argument I would make to the Pope. And I bet he couldn't answer. Um, yes, the environment around us is changing. That's a bad thing. The environment around us is not changing for the good. It's changing for the bad. And it is the church doctrine that's been around for 2,000 years that needs to lead the people to stop changing for the bad. And what are the bad? Again, abortion, the trans cultists, the trans cult, euthanasia, drug addiction, homelessness, crime, euthanasia. All of this needs to be straightened out, and it's all in the Bible. And our faith, our ideology and faith has been in on the same track for 2,000 years. And now this guy says, well, I mean, everything's so great now in the environment? The world is so much better now than it was 40 years ago, 50 years ago? I was alive 50 years ago. I know it's not. And it's because of our loss of the church... It's the loss of our ideology. It's the loss of our faith that the church is bad. So I will declare this again. And I, I, I'll i declare this. The Pope's a heretic. And the Pope needs to be removed from office. And yes, they can remove the Pope from office. They won't. But I would like to see some cardinals. I would like to see some bishops. And there are some, especially in the United States that call out the Pope and say what he's saying is heretical. And he is, I, why not? He's accusing people like me who will not change the doctrine of the church, who don't believe, I don't even, I don't even say the new Our Father. I just don't believe that should have been changed. I mean, I understand why they did it, and I just don't feel like memorizing the new one. But, but the reality is, I don't, this guy, I'm not going to change the whole, entire doctrine the entire ideology of the Catholic Church, because this priest happens to be some left-wing nut job. F him. Okay, let's get to that. Was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. So, who would have thought this? Wow, what a shock! So, in order to create a better, cleaner environment, we actually go out and do something rash. And then we create a something that's worse for the environment. Who would have thought that? So according to the New York Post, paper straws might not be so, quote, eco-friendly, end quote, drinking tube. They've been promoted to be. Belgian researchers found that these so-called, quote, green utensils are toxic and therefore potentially worse for the environment than their much vilified plastic counterparts, according to the new study published by the Journal of Food Additives and Contaminants. Who would have thought that? All those straws that you get, in California especially, that you even get close to water, begin to disintegrate, they're not good for the environment. What a shock. So this is what they say, quote, straws made from plant-based materials such as paper and bamboo are often advertised as being more sustainable and eco-friendly than those made of plastic. However, the presence of PFAs, poly and perfluoroalkyl based substances known as forever chemical, I can't pronounce it, uh, chemicals because they last for a long time before breaking down, in these straws means that it is not necessarily true. So what ends up happening is you put your straw in your Coca-Cola, it disintegrates. Well, those chemicals don't disintegrate. It's just straw that 
disintegrates. The new research comes following multiple initiatives enforced by numerous U.S. cities, including New York, Los Angeles, and restaurant chains to ban disposable plastic suckers comprised of polypropylene and polystyrene, which takes hundreds of years to decompose and are linked to health problems from liver problems to birth defects. Wow. Sounds like, uh, you know, we always bitch, I always bitch about China making the China virus and then infecting us all and we're all going to die because of the China virus. Yeah, the environmentalists seem to be pretty much doing the same thing. Continuing, and this explains a little more. However, according to a new research paper, this is a total straw man argument. As these alleged environment-saving slushy siphons are, I like the language, I love the New York Post, are potentially packed with more PFAs, PFAS than the evil plastics version. To deduce this astro, I'm not going to say that theory, apocalyptic astropolitic theory researchers analyzed the pfa concentrations of 39 brands of drinking straws which were comprised of five materials paper bamboo glass stainless steel and plastic they found that paper straws were the most pfa filled with a whopping 90 percent of paper straws containing chemicals meanwhile bamboo straws another highly touted green alternative clocked at in second with 80 percent followed by 75% of plastic straws, 40% of glass straws, and none in steel straws. So it seems like the best thing is just go steel if we're going to save the world, which is really expensive. Um, The article goes on to explain that it's not just us that's suffering here, it's also the animals in the ocean because these straws disintegrate and all that shit gets pumped into the ocean. Can I tell you something? This is hysterical. Because this was this was an argument that was much ado about nothing in the first place. Plastic straws are not killing the world. Okay, they're not. They're not getting stuck stuck up the buttholes of the sea turtle. That's just not happening. Okay, they they're not causing a majority of the mess in the ocean. You want a majority of the mess in the ocean is coming from Africa and Asia. All right, you want to clean up the ocean, clean up Africa and Asia. But now. This stuff that they're putting, the, the, the straws we're using right now, are actually more dangerous than any of the plastic straws that are out there. Any of the other paper straws that are out there. I just think it's absolutely hysterical. So, yeah, you go eat your straw. Yeah, I think the best thing to do, and I know this is what they want anyway, um, is to get rid of straws altogether. All of them. Paper, plastic, steel, glass, whatever. They want you to drink your water. And the only problem I have with that, and I don't care, I drink my water from a cup, I drink my Coke, I don't use straws because they just, they're annoying me and the kids always mess them up. Um, The only reason I can understand why people want straws is because they don't wash the glass as well. So I kind of get that. And then they're actually touching the glass and you don't want to put your lips to where someone was, you don't know was touching the glass. I get it. I get it. But they made a big stink out of nothing here. Okay, let's get to our third story. Speaking of big stink out of nothing, according to Fox News, President Biden's alcohol czar says Americans may be told by officials to have no more than two beers a week. Director of National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, uh, George Koob, told the Daily Mail on Thursday, that the U.S. may follow Canada's footsteps on alcohol guidelines. First off, um, if you're going to follow anybody, don't follow Canada. They just always go in the most bizarre directions. Continuing, uh, currently American guidelines recommend limit the, uh, men limit themselves to two drinks per week, while women should have only one drink. The American recommendations are up to review in 2025. Canada, Canada's guidelines recommend only having two drinks per week. Sounds pretty extreme to me, but not horribly extreme. Texas Republican... See, here's, here's where it drives me crazy. Okay, first off, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I don't drink at all. And here's the thing. Two drinks a week, 
might be an extreme, but they're just recommending that. They're not saying, they're not limiting your drink to dr two drinks a week. Okay, they're just saying it's a good idea. You, yeah, just have two drinks a week. I don't think that's an extreme recommendation. Alcohol really provides very little benefits, health benefits, and any health benefits that alcohol provides is typically one drink a day. I think that, honestly, is probably the right call. It's probably a glass of wine a day, maybe a beer a day, not tw a 12-pack a day and not two bottles of wine a day. I think that would be more logical, but I don't think this is that extreme. And not to mention it's a recommendation. You want to have a 12-pack of beer a day, go for it. I mean, they're not going to stop you. They're not going to prevent you from buying it. But the right, they see recommendations like this, and then they go topsy-turvy. So let's get to that part of this article from Fox News. Texas Republican Rep. Troy Nels told Fox News Digital the, quote, rich men, north, uh, rich men north of Virginia are once again recommending what hardworking Americans should and shouldn't do, end quote. Well, first off, this Troy Nels, do you know who he is? I don't either. Um, the reason he's making a big stink about is he's trying to make a name out of himself. And dare not, and he does say in his statement, rich, the, rich, the rich, rich men north of Richmond are once again recommending. So he's not saying this is a policy. He's just saying this is a recommendation. So, I mean... To be honest with you, yeah, we should probably ease up on our drinking. Quote, Biden's beer czar has no business advising, quote, guidance, end quote, on alcohol consumption. This is who the Democrats are. They want to control every aspect of your life. Two beers a week? What a joke. Let's not forget JFK snagged 1,200 Cuban cigars just hours before banning all Cuban products from the United States. Okay, so he, here's the thing about this. I'm not even going to continue with the article because there's no point here. Um, they're not banning alcohol. They're not recommending the banning of alcohol. This is an overreaction. And the right needs to do, stop doing this. This is, this, is, this is not a hill to fight on. Now, maybe for this, this guy here it is because he's no one's ever heard of him. This, what's his name? Um, Nels. No one's ever heard of him. But this honestly is just not something we need to get all huffy and puffy about. Now, one of the things he doesn't mention, maybe he should, is the slippery slope. The give a mouse a cook cookie scenario. Could this lead to the elimination of alcohol? It's possible. And maybe you should point that out. Watch this. Be careful. The Biden administration is going to ban beer. I mean, they are doing it with cigarettes. They want to legalize pot. They want to legalize meth. They want to legalize heroin. But they are trying to get rid of cigarettes. Maybe they're going to try and get rid of beer. I don't know. But I don't think a recommendation is the same thing. Everyone just calm down. Okay, now this is something we shouldn't be calm about. Speaking of banning things and protecting democracy, by the way. This is this, the Biden administration, the Department of Energy, they're trying to protect democracy because if I'm against the banning of ceiling fans, I'm obviously against democracy and obviously against freedom. Somehow banning something is, being against banning something is being against freedom. I don't know how, but... This is from the Pulse Millennial, and I heard this last weekend. It was just really funny. A proposed rule change by the Department of Energy to make ceiling fans more energy efficient is receiving pushback from Republicans in the House Committee on the small business on small business, who fear that the new regulations could put manufacturers out of business. In a letter to the Secretary Jennifer Ganholm on Thursday. The group of Republicans wrote, quote, This rule would require numerous small business, business fan manufacturers to redesign their products and put between 10 and 30% of small business ceiling fan manufacturers out of business. Okay, 
let's stop. I, I don't even need to read. They, they come up with some numbers, and yeah, it makes sense. I, all these, I'll read this part. Analysis of the DOE shows that the new rules would save on average customers $39.84 over the device's lifespan while costing manufacturers a total of $86.6 million per year in increased equipment costs. Okay, so there, there, is, there is the problem here. I don't like, this is the problem with Republicans. Stupid. They're all stupid. The question should be, how much are ceiling fans costing? And how much are they going to cost the American public? Because here's the reality. Nothing is going to kill <coughs> the ceiling fan group. It's not going to kill them. So let's talk about what this is going to cost the American people. Because it is going to substantially raise the price of ceiling fans. And what they should also point out is ceiling fans are a way to cool down places. Believe it or not, in our bedroom, we have ceiling fans in our apartment. They cool down our bedroom. They cool down our living room. We actually keep them on. And they're a lot cheaper than air conditioners, which, of course, that's another thing that this government wants to get rid of. Well, if I have a ceiling fan that's cooling down the house and it keeps me from turning on the air condition, don't you want to encourage people to create ceiling fans? Companies to create ceiling fans? Don't you want to encourage people to buy ceiling fans and put them up in their houses since they're not using their air conditioning as much? Yeah, that's not what this government does. They don't think like that. They're just trying to bring us back to 1702 is essentially what they're doing. And I, I find it amazing that democracy is under attack if you sit back and don't agree with any of these bans. And let's take a look at some of the things they're trying to ban. Gas-powered cars, gas-powered buses, gas-powered trucks. By the way, they've already done that in California. Gas-powered stoves, air conditioners, water heaters, light bulbs, refrigeration. They want to ban Freon and they want to limit, they want to raise the price of Freon, limit the use of Freon. That means air conditioning in your car will be, will be attacked. Air condi uh, refriger refrigerators will be attacked. Air conditioners will be attacked. It will cost you, some, they said something like three times the amount to add Freon to the car, to your air conditioning in your car. They want to ban gas generators. They want to ban gas-powered lawnmowers. They want to ban gas-powered leaf blowers. They want to ban cigarettes, cigars, and pipes. That's freedom, by the way. And if you're against banning all of that stuff, and now ceiling fans, and if you're against banning all that stuff, you're anti-democracy. The left, whenever left, remember this, whenever leftism screams about saving democracy, you need to ask them, what do you define as democracy? Because I think your definition is a lot different than I, mine. And my definition of democracy is not bringing us to the year 1698 by eliminating all the technology that has made life worth living, that has improved our quality of life. That is not how it works. Okay. Well, I think that's, that's all we'll cover. Let's see if I got another story here that's shorter. Nope, they're all pretty long. But we're gonna we're gonna no we'll do one more we'll do one more because this is a terrible story, and and this is a story that I've been following, and it's a story about how bureaucracy that stands by a cultish ideology will go out and destroy people, and not give a damn, and be happy with it. So here's the story. So, Appomattox County Public Schools concealed a little girl's by the name, she's 16, named Sage Blair from a gender transition that Sage wanted. So she was kind of confused about her sex. She wanted to transition to a boy and her and the school hid the um, fact that she was dressing like a boy. She was being bullied by boys. She was going into the boys' restroom. They hid that all. By the way, I think this is in... Virginia? Yeah, this was in Virginia. So this led, because she became more depressed and more distrustful of her parents, she ran away. 
And she, while she was in Bar Baltimore, Maryland, she was picked up by a sex trafficker. She was held as a hostage in a lock. I mean, she was literally locked away. And this little girl, this 16-year-old girl named Sage, was raped by multiple men. Now, the FBI found the sex slavery ring and got her, recovered her. But there was a Baltimore public defender named Anissa Khan. She worked to keep this girl in Maryland, even though her parents were dying to get a hold of her. Now, as far as the parents are go, the mother named Michelle Blair, she's, she's the mother, she wanted her daughter back. And by the way, before we start talking about the mother, oh, she was probably abusive, the mother was already a foster care mother. She had something, I think it was seven kids, if I remember the article. She was a highly touted foster care mother. So this gal, a public defender, Anissa Khan, said no. This woman is abusive. This woman will not accept her gender transition. So we are not going to allow this child back into the parents. So what did they do? They stuck this girl into a, another foster home. Okay, or not a foster home, but a, a, a teenage boys facility. Okay, she was stuck in this facility where guess what happened? She was raped multiple times. So the girl took off, right? She actually left. She ran away again. Meanwhile, this con, Anissa Khan, she continued to hold the, to make this guy. She even hired people saying that this Sage Blair was going to kill herself if mom didn't accept her transition. And by the way, the mom never said that she didn't accept the, the gender transition. The mom never knew. She had no idea. She had no idea. She wanted her daughter back. Everything this Anissa Khan said, she lied about. And then she got counselors to lie about it. And they kept this girl away, where she was again put into a boy's home and was raped. So, uh, uh, so Sage decided to leave the boy's home. She ran away. She ended up in Texas. Where she was, guess what? Caught by a child sex predator. She was enslaved again and raped again. Texas, of course, eventually caught these guys. They freed her, and instead of going through any court battles, they sent this girl straight to, uh, straight to her parents in Virginia. They didn't bother with any of that other crap. So all this thing was actually done. So basically what happened is this con bitch got this little girl raped twice. And then the Appomattox County Public School District in Virginia caused her to be a sex slave once. The bureaucracy completely blew out this, whole, this little girl. And by the way, here's what's amazing. Here's what's absolutely amazing about this. So Michelle Blair, the mother, has decided she's going to sue the shit out of Appomattox County. She's going to sue the shit out of this con. She named her directly as a defendant. She's going to sue the, the crap out of uh, the state of Maryland. She's suing everybody, as she should. She's going to win. She's going to win big time. Win easy and big. But here's the thing. So Mich Melissa Rob Rothstein is a spokesman for the Maryland Office of the Public Defender. And she's defending the this this con gal. She actually wrote this. And by the way, she her pronouns are in her by are in her signature, so you know she's all effed up in the head anyway. This is what she said. We remain concerned for her safety, that's con's safety, and caution against including personal identifying information or photo, which could reignite and expand these threats. Are you freaking kidding me? The public defender's office is more concerned with this con, this, um, what's, her, what's her name, Anissa Khan, than they are with the girl who was sex trafficked twice, held as a slave, was raped 
dozens of times they're more concerned with Anissa Khan, the one who victimized this girl, than they are about the little girl she victimized. Absolutely incredible. So this lawsuit, which they're going to win, seeks to recover damages for, this is a quote, for tortious interference with a parent-child relationship, conspiracy, yes, that's going to win easy, intellectual, intentional infliction of emotional distress, <coughs> professional malpractice, and other rights under the Virginia law. And this is the statement they released. This is not the statement they released. This is in the lawsuit. Deprived of her parents' care and treatment as a result of Appomattox defendant's conduct, SB, that's um, the gal, uh, Blair, uh, whatever her first name is, um, I'm going to look it up here, Sage Blair. Sage Blair feared continuing harassment and assaults at school and threats from schoolmates to pursue Seth, uh, Sage Blair and her family at home and ran away. She was found by an adult male who kidnapped Blair, drugged and violently raped her in the backseat of his car. It was this man that she lost her virginity to. He then drove her to Washington, D.C. and left her with two men who raped and drugged her again. These two men drove her to Maryland and left her with a registered sex offender. He kept Sage Blair in a locked room after raping her and trafficking her to other men. Oh, my Lord. Listen, let me tell you something. This goes beyond. This goes beyond simple... You lose some money... The states, both these states and districts lose money. This is prison level stuff. This Khan, Anish Khan, she should not only lose her license, not only lose her job, she should be put in prison for what she did. And she should be made broke instead of defended by the Public Defender's Office of Maryland. This crap has to end. This, these people, they're going, and by the way, Sage Blair was interviewed. Uh, guess what? Um, she's a girl again. What a shocker. These people, this has to end. This ideology, this cultist behavior has to end because it's hurting people. And the leftist doesn't seem to give a F. They only care about themselves. They're all protecting themselves. Okay, I hope you folks have a great weekend. I have released another video on Rumble. There will be another video on Rumble coming out this weekend. Uh, I'm going to have lots of time. Josie's going to Las Vegas, and I'm here by myself, which is really sad, and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Love you all. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. <laughs>